Let's turn uh, to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We'll begin reading with verse 1. Mark chapter 11 and um, verse 1. And we're going to talk today about the time when Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem in triumph. Uh, Praise the Lord. He had been many times in the city of Jerusalem. And uh, this time, uh, he came triumphantly. And of course, this is the beginning of what we call the week of passion. Uh, And at the end of this week, at the beginning of the week, all the disciples were praising him and the people began praising him. And by the, uh, really two days later, Jesus spoke some things that were hard for them to accept. And then just a couple days after that, uh, they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And um, praise the Lord. Let's pray, and then we'll uh, read Mark chapter 11. Father, we come before you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you. We thank you for your word, that you've delivered your word to us, that we can read your word, but, Father, not, that we can not only receive it in our minds, but your spirit helps us to receive it in our hearts. Father, we open our hearts to receive from your word, We yield ourselves to speak by the power of your spirit. And Father, thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for every person that's in this room, every person that's listening. And Father, I thank you that your plans and your purposes are not like the plans and purposes of a man or a woman, but your plans are holy plans and godly plans to give us a hope, to give us a future. Father, we pray, I pray, that you'll open our eyes to understand our hearts, to understand that plan and to rise up and take our place in your plan. And Father, we thank you that we don't do it by our own might, our own power, but by your spirit and that you are the strength of our life. That you guide us and you direct us in every aspect of our lives, the big things and the little things. Father, thank you that you are so loving, so merciful, so caring that you care about every part of our life. Father, I pray as we open our hearts to receive your word, that the light that comes from your heart through your word and your spirit to our hearts, that that light will shine and that we will see and understand not only the passages of Scripture that we're reading here, but the things where we have disappointments, missed expectations, Father, we know that you're the only one by your spirit who can go to that deepest place on the inside of us and bring life and bring hope and bring deliverance. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 11, and I'm going to read in the New King James Version and beginning reading uh, with verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go to the village opposite you. And as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, what are you, why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. 
you know, you may have something that the Lord has need of. Did you ever think of that? You say, well, he's the Lord. Why does he need anything? Well, I don't know. If you believe the Bible, why should you pray? I mean, the Lord knows everything that's going to happen. Why do you even need to pray? Well, number one, he said to pray. Number two, I believe him because he said you have not because you ask not. Number three, when you pray, you come in contact with God himself. If that ever dawns on our spirits like it ought to dawn on our spirits, praise the Lord. I mean, I believe the reason when we don't pray like we should pray, the reason is we have not tapped into the life that is available in the presence of God. Because when you get in the presence of God, let me tell you, there is a a power and a presence and a life that you connect with, that you contact with, that you fellowship with, that you draw near and then he draws near to you, that does something for you better than the highest roller coaster you have ever ridden, better than the most amount of money you have ever made and seen at the end of the year in your taxes, better than the greatest high that you've had in the natural, whether through drugs or something else, the presence of God will change a man and change a woman into a different person. And you actually carry part of the very essence and presence of God away from that place. In other words, the aroma of heaven follows you. You know, on the negative, uh, I would equate it to a Mexican restaurant that they cook fajitas right at your booth and I don't know about you but I go I, I love Mexicans so I, I'm not I'm not you know dissing the Mexican but sometimes you go to some of those places I remember one when we lived anyhow you go and you're like what is that smell oh that's me but you know like Uh, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, the Bible says. In other words, think of the person who's given you the most difficult time. If you're honest, you say it's yourself, okay? (laughs) Okay, but think think of uh, somebody beside yourself who is very challenging to you. You have trouble. You're like, why are they doing that? Or if you really want to get into uh, unseen spiritual things, think of your most unfavorite politician. As Daniel talked about the principalities and powers that are the, the rulers of the darkness of this world. So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but there's other influences. And so you're really pretty short-sighted if you're upset at that person. Because I don't care if they're, if they're a non-believer, how in the world do they have much power to even resist? But if they're a believer, even believers sometimes, unfortunately, yield themselves as a mouthpiece for the enemy. A mouthpiece for doubt. Well, you got doubt coming out, you ought to shout. Yeah, I don't believe that. I don't believe a word I just said. I believe what the Bible says. I believe God's doing good things. I believe God has good plans. I believe something good is going to happen to me. In Jesus' name. You just shut that thing down. 
you know, your whole life is directed by your tongue. Like, well, what direction is my life going to go? Well, what you're saying. What are you saying? James. You know, the book of James, he talks about that. You know, my, my, oh, there you are there. My daughter rides horses, and so, you know, she might ride a 2,000-pound horse, and she's like 105 pounds or something like that. I don't know. She's thinking, don't tell me. <laughs> Not very much. But, you know, she can direct that 2,000-pound animal, 1,500 or 2,000, depending on which horse she's riding. She, she can direct it just with the bit, and now she's learning so she can actually direct it just with the squeeze of her legs and stuff like that because she's doing some English riding. So... And a big ship, you can turn that whole ship just with a small rudder. And Paul, uh, uh, James, by the Spirit of God, said that that's what your tongue is like. Your tongue actually is directing your life. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. And so, um, the Lord may have need of something that you have. And what a privilege. I mean, imagine the one whose cult that was. I don't know this, but maybe they had that cult tied up and they were going to have a very special person. They had a special purpose for that cult. So I, I, I want the first person who rides this cult to be very special. They had no idea how special. So immediately he'll send it. Verse 4. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing? Loosen the colt. And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. And so when he had looked around at all these things as the hour was late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. You know, this is actually in all of the Gospels. And so, in, in, uh, I don't recall which one, and I don't want to take the time right now to go exactly to it, but one of the Gospels says when he went into the temple, this is like the first time that he turned over the money changer tables. So they're like, Hosanna, 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 blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And then... Um, he, he actually, over in, in Luke, it says that as soon as he passed that area and he looked up to Jerusalem, he began weeping. And he began praying because he, he's, he's interceding because his own people are missing it. They're not seeing it. So he begins praying. So then he goes up into the temple and he sees, you know, he's praying for them. And he goes in and he physically sees them just stealing dishonest scales. And then like, hey, you, you got to make a sacrifice. Uh, that'll be a little extra for you. 
And what did he say? He said, my, this house should be called, my house should be called a house of prayer. And you've made it a den of thieves. My house should be called a house of prayer and you've made it a den of thieves. So as Jesus is coming in, we'll get back to that in just a second. As Jesus was coming in, uh, they start shouting, uh, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And if you look over in, um, you don't have to turn there, I'll quote it for you if you want, but Psalm 118, uh, verse 25 and 26 says, Save now, I uh, ask you, O Lord, <clears throat> o Lord, I ask you, send now prosperity. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. So they're actually uh, declaring a psalm of praise as Christ comes in. And they would actually do this um, every year. But then when they saw him, it said, the Bible says, because they knew the miracle of Lazarus raising from the dead. And the Pharisees saw that and got upset because they said, well, this miracle, we have no uh, counter for this. And so uh, as Jesus is coming in, all those people that started to lay the palm branches and um, all of their clothes, uh, some of the writers say they took their coats off and their uh, cloaks off. They put it on uh, the back of the donkey so Jesus could sit on it, but then they put it so that he could uh, walk across those as he entered in. It was the reception for a returning king who had one battle. But you know, Jesus did not come like a king would come when he's coming to war on a horse. He came on a donkey, the colt of a donkey, right? A baby donkey. And he came, when any king came like that, it represented, I'm coming in peace, not to make war. But it's interesting if you, if you uh, take time to read, you find out the disciples and the other uh, religious people, they're looking for the Messiah to come to conquer on earth like an earthly leader would conquer. So they're looking for him to come on a horse. But he shows up just like he always shows up, even today, at the door of your heart with a message of peace and a message of freedom and a message of deliverance. Do you know Hosanna means salvation now, deliverance now, victory now. If you look it up, it, it actually, it literally means snatching one out of the clutches of death at the last moment. And so they begin to worship God and saying, uh, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Salvation, deliverance, snatching away. And they're declaring this. And a few days later, Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Isn't that pathetic? (laughs) 
So just because you get a little bit of light and understanding of who the Lord is, don't forget, without yielding to the Lord, now we have an advantage that they didn't have because none of them were born again. You understand the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, except for the, about the last page, page and a half, depending on your Bible and the font. All of those letters that you see, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all Old Testament letters. They're letters written under the Old Testament talking about what Jesus Christ did to fulfill and complete the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And so when I found this out years and years ago, I put big highlighters in my Bible after Christ arose from the dead. Because, you know, after he arose from the dead until he ascended on high was only 40 days. He only spent 40 days. And it says he was teaching and preaching things concerning the kingdom of God for those 40 days. And so I put, I put a big divider in my Bible because you can really misunderstand God's relationship with you and his desire for you and his plan for you if you kind of take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and use it as instructions for your life. Those are instructions for the life of someone who is under the law to fulfill the law. And we see in those what Jesus did. And we see in those the nature of God and the plan of God and the revealing of God in the flesh of a man named Jesus. But, but really, once you draw those big highlighter or whatever you want to do in your Bible... Or, uh, you know, it's electronic. You can also do, I did a similar highlight electronically. Well, then you know, like after this point, this is talking about uh, the, the believer. So they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And just a few days later, they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. You know, and uh, of course, Peter, we love Peter, right? Peter is amazing. And I think we can all find ourselves at some point time in our life in Peter. And, and I love what Jesus said to Peter. Because Jesus said, who do you say I am? He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. In other words, uh, your, your own flesh and blood, your mind, your intellect have not revealed this to you. Another person wasn't smart enough to reveal this to you. But my Father, which is in heaven, He has revealed this to you. In other words, you cannot see that and know, when I say see that, um, you could reason it through reading the Bible with your intellect. You could, well, it must be this, must be this, you know, because if you look at how many prophecies have been fulfilled, it's impossible that any one person could fulfill all of those as a fake. I mean, it, like, it's statistically impossible. And so even Zechariah prophesied in Zechariah 9 about the Messiah coming on the colt of a donkey. 
And even Daniel, it's in Daniel, I think it's also in Daniel 9, actually. And Daniel talks about the 70 weeks and the 72 weeks, and you actually figure out the exact numbers. He came on the exact day at the exact time that Daniel said he would come in the vision that Daniel had from the Lord. And so it wasn't just like happenstance. This was in the plan of God from before the foundation of the world. Christ was as a lamb slain. Before the world was created in the heart of God, he had a plan, and he knew what was going to happen, and he made a way. Hallelujah, he is so good. So, in, in Luke, uh, Luke's telling of this, he says even the disciples, even we didn't know that this was the fulfillment that all of that was coming to pass till afterward. And then we remembered, they said. We remembered and then we recognized. And so you may have experiences with the Lord where you recognize. But then the mass of people start to say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And all of a sudden you realize, what am I doing with these that are saying crucify Crucify him. Crucify him. And even, even this day on the triumphal entry, everyone was not saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. The Pharisees said to Jesus, why are you letting them do this? And Jesus gave an answer like he always does that people totally unexpect, don't expect. Anybody remember what he said? Yeah. If they didn't do this, even the rocks would cry out. Even the rocks would cry out. Do you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Do you know in, in Psalms, you see that, they used it, is, Psalms was their praise and prayer book that they would use to praise the Lord God and to pray. And you know that I'm aware of, and somebody can correct me, after service. <laughs> Do you know, like, that started out as a prayer. They would say, Lord, send salvation now. Lord, send deliverance now. So they had been praying this for years and years and years. And, and everything I read about it said that it actually turned and became a declaration of praise at this time. Why? I believe the Spirit of God, they saw by the Spirit of God before they had a chance to think about it. Salvation now. This is it. Victory now. They worshiped him as the Messiah now. And they let their words and their actions line up with what came to their heart. Salvation now, victory now. So, you know, when a king would return, the praises of the people would usher in the return of the king. So they're all ready. 
they're all lined up on the streets. They got their palm branches. They got everything. And they start to shout and they start to rejoice. And the king of kings in peace comes right down through the middle of that. What do you think about the day in which we live? What do you think we could bring back the king with a praise? With a prayer and a praise. Hallelujah. I think there's no greater way for him to return. I mean, actually, the Bible says with the shout, with the trumpet. I don't, I don't think that's today. It could be. Time is very short. What about your prayers? What about your worship? Individually, but then what about our prayers and our worship together? There's something about coming together and worshiping the Lord that that atmosphere seems to become saturated with the presence of the Lord, with the glory of God. You know, Colossians chapter 2 says that Jesus laid aside his mighty power and glory and became as a mere man, one translation says. So everything that he did, he did as a man. The difference is he was born of a virgin. Mary and the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God came in to Mary. So he was born of a virgin. But he laid aside his mighty power and glory. In Hebrews... Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 2, uh, I think around verse 11, says that he brought many sons into glory. So Jesus was doing Jesus in heaven wasn't lacking for anything except a relationship with you and your presence. So God saw that and Christ saw that and he laid aside all of his glory because he knew if he could take on your flesh, human flesh, and conquer once and for all all the power of the devil and of the flesh of the fallen man forever he knew not only can I be back in glory but I'm doing this because I want you full of my glory the Bible says Christ in you the hope of glory so he loved you so much and still loves you that much that he said, I'm going to become as you are so that you can become as I am. Talk about victory now. 
Salvation now. Deliverance now. Light now. Snatching away now. Hebrews 11 one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Today is the day of salvation. When you turn your life over to Jesus Christ, make Jesus your Lord. Turn your life over to God by making Jesus your Lord. You believe in your heart God raised Jesus from the dead. And you, with your mouth, put a stake in the ground and say, this is what I believe and this is the moment in time that I turn myself over to him, the Bible says you are snatched out of darkness, out of on the path to death and put into light and the path of life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want each, each of us, for just a minute or two here, maybe three, from your heart, I want you to talk to God. I want you to ask the Lord, what, what, what would you have me do? You know, God loves you not with a love that comes from this world. It's a love that's out of this world. It's from himself. It's not a selfish love. It's not a condemning love. It's not an impatient love. The Lord is full of patience and full of mercy. He's not trying to hurt you. The devil's the one that's come to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil's the one that's bringing destruction in your life. The devil is the one that is stealing from you in, in multiple parts of your life. The devil is the one that is deceiving you. The reason there's sickness, the reason there's disease in the earth is because sin entered the world and death came by sin. The devil corrupts what God has done. So sickness and disease, they come from him in some form or fashion. The devil is a, a murderer, the Bible says. Murder comes from him. Hatred comes from him. But Jesus said, I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. But there's, a, there's many big differences between God and the devil. And one of them is, God will never force you. Love does not force you. God is love. And I believe that your life till this time, this day, God knows exactly what has happened in your life, exactly what's going on. And that it is no mistake that you are here this morning. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. The devil will lie to you all the way and say like, man, it'd be, 
You just be so restricted if you turn your life over to Jesus Christ. That's because he feeds off of having you in his clutches. No, real freedom is only found in Jesus Christ. Real deliverance is only found in Jesus Christ. God's motives are not bad. They are pure, they are holy. And he is not a liar. He has come to give you life and give you that in such abundance, in so much of that life that you really got to like rub your face because you're so thrilled of every good thing that God has done. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity to come into the family of God to make Jesus your Lord. And I want to give you an opportunity if you have been a part of the family of God, but you slipped away, you, you turned away from the Lord. He didn't turn away from you, but you turned away from Him. You know, you can come back and like just like you were snatched out of darkness and put into light when you first came to Christ. The second you turn back, the Father's looking, He's looking for you, He's ready for you for a celebration. The devil will lie. That isn't going to take you so long because what you did is so bad. Well, what Jesus did is so good. It overwhelms and overcomes anything the devil did and anything that you did. God loves you. So if you, the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart right now, I want you to respond to him. He's not going to hurt you. He's just going to help you. And I'm going to pray a prayer in just a few seconds. And I want all, all believers to pray with me. And then if you'd like to receive Jesus, I'd like you to pray this prayer with us. And when you pray, you don't have to go through a, a, a minister to get to God. He will hear your prayer because he cares about you and he loves you. And Jesus is the way to the Father. And Jesus gives you access with God. Jesus gives you rapport with God. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. He was suffered for you so you could become part of the family of God. So I want you to make a decision. By making this decision, what you're saying is, I don't want to be the Lord of my own life anymore. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. What you're saying is, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. What you're saying is, I want to be forgiven of my sins and I want them cleansed and removed from my life. I want a fresh start. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, just slip up your hand. Uh, I'd love to pray with you and for you. Online, you can hit the raise your hand button online. God has a plan for you, a purpose for you. It's an awesome plan, awesome purpose. All right, we're going to pray this prayer together. Just say this after me, and I'll try and say it slow so it can register on your heart because it's with the heart that you believe and with the mouth that you put that stake in the ground. You declare, all right, this is where I'm changing everything. I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm not turning back. Say this. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins. And to make me right with you. Thank you. For forgiving me. For cleaning me up. I declare. Jesus is my Lord. I'm no longer under darkness. 
I'm in the family of God, the family of light. Father God, thank you that you're now my father and that I am your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.